<laughs> so it's the first time trying this with someone else. Oh yeah, right. Two mics. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Can you hear John okay? Mr. Delman? Can you hear me okay? Uh, no, Can no, you hear no. Me? Okay. Let's, let's figure <laughs> that might out. be for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know why. I think it just switched for some reason. One sec. <laughs> Default headphones, but nothing, right? Testing. That's Testing. so weird. All right, we're back <laughs> and we're recording. All right, let's do we're this. We're doing thing. it. I can hear you, Mr. Delman. I can hear you. And you, can you hear me? Can you hear- Yes, I can hear you. Wow, look, look at that. I can hear both of you. What a like, good like we're actually using computers. Who would have thought? Amazing. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. Well, let's just blaze ahead and talk about AI. I mean, yeah, so. we should yeah do let's, it. let's move right yeah. past all that. Now that we solved microphones. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, to, to kind of open it up, Mr. John Delman here has been on the podcast before, and we talked about process with three S's. It was like this Frankenstein snake monster and the point of that was that process can be a little hodgepodge sometimes it can be monstrous in that way and it can take different shapes and sizes and i think that's kind of the point right we talked about how you kind of got to roll with it and be open to embracing that sort of frankenstein's monster vibe when it comes to process so if you haven't listened to it go listen to that it's pretty great so thanks for joining us again man Stoked to have you. Absolutely my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. Um, I thought long and hard about what we'll talk about today, and I am nowhere near an expert. Um, I am also not what you would consider um, the normal person who would use AI. So uh, I guess I could give a little background on who I am. Yeah, um, yeah. Hi, I'm John. <laughs> I am the senior design manager at Workiva. I work on the design system team um, called Unify, um, and we are an enterprise financial reporting company. Um, I'm sure I butchered that somewhere. Um, but basically, we do a lot of financial reporting software for big entities, and um, I work on the design system uh, team there. So we do what you might expect on a design system team. We make components. Uh, we maintain those components. We write the documentation. We we don't work for Workiva's customers. We work for uh, Workiva's designers and engineers gotcha. and content creators and PMs. They're my customers. Now there's a downstream to the customer's that they support, but my job is to make sure that um, the thing, the product that we make for Workivans, uh, which is what we call people who work at Workiva, um, that it is easy to use and helpful, and basically empowers them to do the the big brain work that they do every day. Uh, so I've been doing that work for. Uh, a little over a year. I think I've been here a year and three months or something like that. Okay. Um, before that, I worked at Twitter, where I was uh, director of product design for internal tooling. Um, at Twitter, I come to Twitter. I, I was working at Wayno as an executive creative director, and we got acquired by Twitter in a not terribly public scenario. No one's really heard of Twitter. So um, if you want to research it, I'm sure there's something online about it. Um, before that, I'd done a long career of agency and in-house at product places where I met both of y'all at uh, MindBody uh, when I lived down in San Luis Obispo. I now live in East Bay, San Francisco, in a town called Danville. And I've gone back and forth between uh, agency and in-house doing 
just a wide variety of things from icon design to video motion graphics to content management systems. Um, I started my career way back in 97 as a cold fusion developer slash web designer. Um, yeah, that term doesn't get thrown around love that it. often. A um, crazy way to start coming into an industry. I didn't even know what cold fusion was. Yep. Um, and then I sort of learned everything on the fly, mm -hmm. but I've had this wild ride of a career of somewhere in between technology and somewhere in between design. And right. th this topic around AI is really interesting to me because I'm sort of a technologist at heart. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of flying cars, computers, talking to computers and doing all the sci-fi stuff that I grew up yeah, uh, yeah. listening to. So this is a really fascinating time to be a professional designer slash technologist right, with right. all the crazy tools that are happening. Totally. No, that's awesome. That's a really good intro. And speaking of intros, we got this guy over here, Mr. Adrian Crabtree, and oh. he was on uh, our imposter episode. And if you can tell, we're in the same room right now for the first time. So welcome, Adrian. Thank you. Yeah. And Why don't you do a little so intro? To, oh, I don't yeah. want to talk about imposter. I don't want yes, to talk, talk about, about myself. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> gosh. Uh, Adrian. Um, I currently work at Product Plan. Uh, it's a road mapping tool, or basically it is a platform for product managers to simplify their lives. Um, and right now I oversee both product and marketing design. I too am overseeing our design system called Atlas that we mm -hmm. are trying to, well, we have rolled out. What we're trying to do now, which is great talking about processes, um, trying to document uh, best practices when it comes to that. And that we're kind of like right. uh, actively doing that. In fact, that's what I'm going to be focusing on today when I get back to work. Cool. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, prior to product plan, I worked at MindBody uh, for a few years, uh, worked Where under all Delman. All of us were together. That's, this is how we all met. Prior from that, worked at a company, a little startup called Sense Labs. Uh, it was like this uh, neuroscience um, uh, company where we created this piece of hardware that could read your brain waves and those brain wow. waves then Ooh. interact uh, with something on the app. And so I was like, I did a little bit of game design, uh, helped create assets for that and whatnot. And then that's awesome. I didn't know about that. Prior, cool. oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. prior to that, um, worked at Experts Exchange, which is basically just a Q&A site, mm -hmm. um, like much like Stack Overflow, um, where you have a question, you know, ask someone, mm -hmm. these experts, um, they give you an answer, but yeah, my, yeah. my I have uh, I started in web development, uh, much like Delman. Um, so I I'm, I lean more towards that side. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm much more on that uh, on that technical side. Uh, I love writing code. I love getting into things, and in fact, like becoming the more this marketing developer. Um, you can you know, as much as like you can poo poo on WordPress and PHP. It's still fun to like get your hands mm -hmm. into that code and mm -hmm. manipulate that, and to see yeah. that actually manifest something. So yeah, that's, awesome. that's a little bit about me. Yeah, and I do have to say he's talking about liking code, but he's also an amazing visual designer as well, as I'm sure Delman can. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> one thing I will say, I know this is recorded and I hope Delman, you're okay with this. It's one of my, and, and this is meant to be an amazing compliment. Um, oh, one no. of my, one of my first, no, 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 no. It's all good. One of my, <laughs> one of my, <laughs> should I put a helmet on? <laughs> <laughs> one of my first design reviews. Um, uh, I, I, f I forget what it was. It doesn't really matter what it was. Mm -hmm. It was just this, uh, static page that I had to design. Delman came over and just like, you're actually giving me a headache right now because I'm seeing line, line, another line, another line, and another line. 
why why are we doing this? Like, why are you segmenting yeah. this in a way that we can't use, you know, color or typography? Why is everything having having to be? And that has stuck with me <laughs> to this day. And I love it because no, 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 in a good way because it, everything should have an intention, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you're just mm-hmm. going to segment everything out, then yeah. just make a table. Like, okay, it's just a table then. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. let's be, let's be expressive. Mm-hmm. How can we? Um, lead a user, like a customer using the, the site, how can we actually organically tell this story without saying, look here, look there, mm-hmm. look there. And that, that's, that has stuck with me for like to this day. And in yeah. fact, I still, I preach that uh, to my team members. Like, <laughs> look at that. Yeah. So Aww. anyway. I hope you don't tell them that their work gives you a headache. That, no, I don't. I, the the, <laughs> no, no, the no. advice was good. The delivery seemed... Wow, I wouldn't like to be telling you. So, oh, no, no, your no. stuff makes me violently ill. It's just, yeah, so I, I, I want to start my art direction. I got two things from that. I got two things from that. Uh, a, you know your stuff. And then B, you were com- comfortable enough to be yourself too. And so that was like, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, like now totally. we can have a conversation. Like, all right, cool. And like that guard is down. Now it's like, all right, I'm going to come at you in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. like what about this? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to come at you now. Um, You're short. <laughs> <laughs> you wear glasses, you know. It's like, ouch, man, <laughs> dude. What? Uh, but no. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, just extremely appreciative of that small moment. Mm-hmm. Um, was it was it was really wonderful, and yeah. that spoke has spoken volumes. That's and that awesome. was shoot, man. That was like seven and a half years ago, and yeah, like, it's been, almost, a, while, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, yeah. And that that's still like I go back to that. Yeah. Like, and it's all about simplification. Why are mm-hmm. we creating something to be so complex when, mm-hmm. why, why describe something in 4,000 words when two will do just like the same, yeah. you know? And, um, and that's kind of what I got out of that. It yeah. wasn't really the lines. It wasn't really that you had a headache. Mm-hmm. It was more of like, well, you're, you are over engineering this. Yeah. Simplify yeah. it. What are you doing? Totally. Be a designer. <laughs> I was like, yes, you got it, coach. I got you. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Simplifying. That'd be there's there's a monster in there somewhere about overcomplicating things. Oh yeah, overthinking and overengineering. Oh, we did, over, guess for we that did show, overthinker. I so, I guess, <laughs> so I guess we already had overthinker, but I feel like there's something. Dude, that's the thing too. It's maybe like, the maybe the monster slayer is simplifier or something. I love it. It's kind of a lame. Like, monster, don't overengineer something name, when but... you know when you don't even know what the customer really needs. Yeah, because yeah. you're, you're you're throwing uh, spaghetti at the wall totally. in, in the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're going to do research and whatnot. Yeah. Why are you going to spend? all this time mm-hmm. and like oh all they they, they all they needed was 10 percent of that yeah. oh shoot man we just spent like a, like yeah. all these months on something totally. that could have been something. anyway yeah well I digress there's um i used to go up to apple like to on simplification i, I used to when i worked down in slow i worked at an agency and apple was one of our big accounts and i was on the apple team yeah. for a number of years and so we'd go up to marcom up in cupertino and so we'd be up at Apple, which was its own bit of imposter syndrome and terrifying and all that <laughs> stuff, um, which you never really get over. Um, and at Marcom, they have this big wall that was like in between kitchen, and it says simplify, simplify, simplify. And I think two of the simplifies are crossed out on top of that. And that cool. visual stuck with me for a long yeah, time of sort of like you're always, as a designer, always on a trajectory mm-hmm. to distill it down to – Everything on the screen needs to deserve its place there. Mm -hmm. There's no extraneous 
obviously there's some extremities, right? There's also some aesthetic thing that's just there because it makes you happy or, or you yeah. think it'll make someone else happy or it's just a nice little flourish. But in general, you want to get that 90 plus percent of everything there deserves to be there, yep. has a reason for being there or it shouldn't be there, right? Yeah. And I yep. think that's, to me, that threshold of like intentional design versus art. And I think we'll yeah. get into that when we talk about AI and the difference yeah of those things and how technology can play into that. Totally. Yeah. Well, we could, I think we can jump into it maybe real quick because there might be some more listeners because uh, when we, it's been a while since we've had an actual episode. Um, it was me. My name's John. If you are listening to this for the first time. Oh yeah, John, time. tell us a little about who are yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Who I What's am? your background? <laughs> so yeah, I, I, uh, I got my start in design and then moved into photo and video and animation kind of shifted into that because as a kid I was always making skate videos and I loved kind of just fooling around with the camera I took a darkroom class um, I'm in that age bracket where we still had <laughs> darkroom classes in high school which was an amazing experience um, yeah we're there we're all there um, and yeah it, it just was such a cool transition it's basically at this point you know, 20 years or so into the career, it was like that first half was design. The second half has been, I mean, it's still design. I like to call kind of it all design. You're, you're still just designing in a different medium. So now it's video and photography, essentially. Um, and yeah, I've worked at, at a few different places, some smaller boutiques at a magazine, um, ended up at Mind Body with these guys and uh, Emily, who was on the burnout episode. I think it was like, number three or something. It was one of our first ones. She's amazing. August, who uh, yes. we got to get on the show at some point. Yep. Um, and then August, when he left uh, MindBody, went into some agencies. I think he worked with you, John. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he ended up going into an agency called Y Media Labs or YML. And we worked there together for a few years. And then recently, we merged with another agency in our network called Code in Theory. So if you notice, this thing used to say y, YML back there. Now it says CT. So yeah, I'm at a new agency, essentially. I mean, it's the same people. We just went from 500 to 2,000. So now we got a, a big group of folks, and they've been awesome. So I'm sure we'll get some people from uh, this new merger uh, on the show at some point. But yes, AI. It's been a long time coming. I wanted to talk about this. And I'd love to kind of get your take on it, John, but just to set the stage, um, the reason why for me personally, I've wanted to talk about it is because I feel like I'm equally excited about it as I am skeptical and in some ways kind of frustrated with the way the industry talks about it. It's very much that like, get on board or you're left out. And I just, I no matter what the reason is for that, I just think it's stupid to make things feel exclusive. And I think the, the design industry has a tendency to do that at times. And so I hope that as we get more and more integrated with AI into our systems, uh, into the things that we, we do, we're responsible about it and we don't run into the same issues that we've been running into with like social media. And, and, you know, the dark side, the dark underbelly of social media and how can we learn from that? And I hope that we do. And maybe this, this podcast and this series, which is probably going to be a three-parter on AI, um, can just be one small piece in that conversation. So, yeah, John, I think the, the point of this is uh, 
doing it in three parts is this first one is just kind of talking about, you know, the genesis of AI. Like where, what are the roots? Um, is it new or has it been around for a while? And I'm curious what your experience has been uh, throughout your career. It's, it's kind of all of the above, right? So it's, it's the natural evolution of automation and machine learning. Um, you know, we forget that what, what we do are computers, right? They're computing machines. They're basically glorified calculators, and they're constantly running computations. And this is just the next evolution of running more complex calculations, better technology, better hardware, right? So, like, chips are – the reason why AI's happened at this point is basically twofold. It's we have huge amounts of data in the world, more than ever we've had, and we have chips that can now read that data and process that data. And as we get into like even better and like some really sci-fi-esque sorts of technologies that are coming out of like, um, like, like, like on the atomic level, kind of weird stuff yeah. on like chip processing power, we're going to be able to do even more. And what we're trying to do, and what I think we've always been trying to do, is mimic ourselves, is try to automate things to make our lives easier. But we always think of this concierge helper mindset. That's why we name our little AIs, right? We want to personify them. That's why we have our sci-fi and our literature around robots that are human-esque and have names and are somewhat playful and not, you know, as yeah. monstrous as, as, as we fear. Um, we've, we're along that path. And this is a, I don't want to say it's predestined, but it's, it's something that as human beings, we have been talking about for hundreds of years at yeah. this point, right? Like the robot, the helper, <laughs> the automated assistant, like mm -hmm. it's not new. It's just starting to become more, obvious and like once again we still don't have flying cars we still don't have you know levitation and transportation and particle you know yeah. moving us across you know galaxies and stuff. we don't have that sci-fi stuff we have this next version which is intelligent computing and yeah. so i like where it's going but i'm also with you on there is a healthy dose of caution and it's not the technology that worries me. It's the humans yeah, that worry yes, me, right? Totally. It just yeah. like we birthed this. We've been birthing this for a while. It's now in its infancy. And just like any parent, what you feed it, what you train it on, your influences is what you get. And we're not good parents as a society. You mentioned social media. You mentioned a lot of different things that we do in this world they're not really healthy behaviors, right? And so not shocking, we see two major things happening. We see uh, non-moral <laughs> scenarios with AI of just like, what did we train it on? Well, we trained it on the worst of us, which is we sicked it on social media, we put it online, and of course we got racist, misogynistic, terrible things spitting out because that's what we plugged in. Yeah. And then we also didn't give it really great guidelines at the beginning of like, this is quasi illegal, but not fully illegal. Yeah. Or this is immoral. Or, you know, maybe you shouldn't be just reappropriating that artwork and just kind of making your own um, hot take on it or fan fiction of it. And like, this is this. Is, the problem is us and not the technology. I think mm -hmm. you 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 touched upon a thing that's not new, 
but still wildly frustrating to me as we take the word AI and we want to just sticker it on everything Mm -hmm. because there's money attached. Like this used to be NFTs, crypto, uh, web three, web two, um, (laughs) responsive, adaptive. I mean, if you've been in any, any tech industry, and any shape or form, you've seen this happen all the time. Remember, like yeah. last summer, when everybody was supposed to make NFTs for everything as their side hustle and be billionaires, <laughs> and then that realized that that was basically just JPEGs that were being sold mm-hmm. for you know fake money. Like that's not real either. So like we're doing similar things, and we will always yeah. do similar yeah, things. Yeah. Um, that's not really my interaction with AI, and I don't think it's a lot of people's interaction with AI. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of want to distill that first and foremost, that what most people are calling AI is actually just automation. And you've been doing it anyway in different formats for a good long time. Like I use Figma plugins. I use Figma all day long Mm -hmm. for literally pretty much everything. It's basically Figma, Slack, Google Meet, and... (laughs) Yeah, that's about it. Actually, yeah, really got it. Um, yeah, that's really my day just sort of swirls around that. And um, we use plugins for everything, right? We use plugins. I use a, I use Stark for accessibility yep. testing on the design system. That's got a little AI component called Sidekick, which I toy with, which gives me really good suggestions on color, on color contrast. It gives me really interesting insights on focus order which is something that I'm trying to learn more of and like help steer that towards our engineers. It just analyzes my design and says like, you know, maybe you want to put alt text here. Here's a suggestion for yeah. alt text. That's really helpful. Um, I use Notion uh, when, I, when I write because I like the interface. I'm a designer. I like the interface. <laughs> I like the way it, it works. It, it, it's, it sort of is very natural. And they have a little AI suggestive bot in there too, right? Yeah. And that's also like, hey, how can I help you write this? And so I'm using these little tiny AI. It's smart, but it's also kind of an automation too. I'm not generating, I'm not an artist, um, at least professionally. I do art and I'm surrounded by art all the time, but I'm not an artist as a profession. I'm a designer, and which means that I'm art plus communication. And what I do needs to be very distinct. I work even further, like Adrian, I work very close to engineering. Mm-hmm. And so what I need to do is be highly communicative and highly efficient. Mm-hmm. And that's where AI actually really helps me a lot in the efficiency sense. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't replace a job for me. It just basically takes a job that I would do, like going onto Google to help me understand a topic or write something a little better. I'll, use, I'll write bullet points on a topic. Mm-hmm bring it into chat GPT and say, summarize this in three paragraphs um, for documentation on a reference site. And it'll give me a big spit out. I'll then take that and then I'll modify it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's really like my first rough draft. I never just put it right in. I think there's a moral reason why I don't do it. Also, Mm -hmm. it's not my writing. I still want my voice to come through, but it's really helpful to be like, Oh, that's summarized for you. And so like then I pick it apart and I rewrite it a bit and then I bring it back into ChatGPT yeah. and I say summarize it again. And it starts to refine it, distill it. And then the last pass is me once again rewriting it a little bit. And then I have something which would have taken me a lot longer to like write down, try and figure out what the right word is, how might I phrase this. That summary kind of 
solves mm -hmm. a lot of that for me pretty quickly and gets me right to the content part and the efficiency part. So yeah. I use it in that way. Um, I also use it in ways that I don't quite understand too, of like a theory kind of idea of like us using large language models on our reference site to help uh, elevate our search engine on mm -hmm. our reference site to help you find Ex the components or documentation. Explain that for some people out there that might not know what. I hope I can explain it for me. Um, yeah. So basically, <laughs> your elevator we plug pitch. it. I know I'm not going to do this any justice. Anyone I work with is going to be like, I don't want to work with him anymore. Mm -hmm. There's, um, so, there's but, so many terms out there, you know, and I'm yeah. sure we'll get into AGI at some point and talk about all this. But I think that's that's part of this too. Is there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that I think are in the design world, but some people who are kind of skirting around it too. So I think this is a, a interesting episode for people to get um, a little bit of a view of what AI is in our career versus maybe what it is on more of the, you know, in the public realm where maybe it affects art even more. So yeah, large language so, model. What is that? So, so large language models basically, and I'm going to just, this is really embarrassing that uh, anyone who works in LLMs, I apologize. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I'm going to embarrass you and ruin your whole career. Um, so You're welcome. <laughs> basically we're going to take our search engine and basically attach a, a brain to it. If mm -hmm. we're being honest, so like, we're going to say like, I see you're searching for buttons. Um, did you know that these other these other components are complementary. Or I see you've searched this in the past. Like we're going to basically highly Googleify our search to, to instead of just like I type in a thing, this is the spit out I get. It's going to be a bit more predictive. It's going to lead you into more of a conversation of like, oh, I see you're searching for buttons. Did you know that buttons complement inputs? Right. You know, we mm -hmm. package those together. You may want to look this way. I see you've done a number of searches around hover states. You might you also be looking for focus states, also looking for, you know, the code props on something like, like give people more than just the binary one-to-one, -one. Mm. I'm looking for a thing, I get back a thing. It starts to become more of a concierge model. Yeah. Kind of idea in large language models, basically just take in lots of information, start to like create a narrative and a compendium of you and your search experience to then every time you search, it's building on it. Every time anybody else searches, it's building on it too. So it's mm -hmm. like, I see that you're searching for buttons. Well, we have a thousand other people searching for buttons and their, their most likely path to the next thing has been this. Can we help you along the journey? And on our reference site, you have to sign in through Okta, right? It's all SSO, it's all secure. So we know who you are. Um, that sounds really creepy, but we know who you are, so we can understand sort of your search history. We can understand like what might you have been searching for in the past, and we can actually get you the information you want. Now we're all locked down. Ours is an internal system. We're not we're not a public design system, so we're not sharing information. We don't monetize it. Obviously, we're we're just servicing the hundred to two hundred people potentially that will use our design system, but. This LLM helps us have a better conversation. It gets ahead of our support channels, which we run to help service the design system. Um, it helps us understand how people use our reference site, which IE is how they use our design system. So it's a concierge model is the way we use it. We do um, 
other little things in AI. So um, very similar to the way I write, we do um, a survey on like, how do you like our design system? Um, you know, we do, it's called a, a NPS, a net promoter score, I think. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, it's basically gives us qualitative data. Yeah. It's not just like, are you using it? It's like, how do you like it? Mm -hmm. And what we do, we do a very similar thing. We take those survey results and then we plug them into chat GPT and so we say, can you summarize these survey results? So we're not picking through lots of data to try and make assumptions. We get kind of a nice summary. We then look that, we compare it against the actual summary results yeah. and, and the survey results and we can kind of start to understand some trends, which I think is yeah. a huge time saver. Um, I, I think the moral fear of, of AIs that will replace us doing things, that right. will just let it go do its own thing and then we won't have a part to play. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that's realistic, to be honest. I think uh, there's, first off, I think it's the limitations of AI don't allow for it right now, even though there's some really fascinating things that we've all seen of like it making designs for us, mm -hmm. or I say three words and it makes something amazing art-wise. I know we've seen those. I don't see them as being highly useful right now. Yeah. I don't see... I don't, I don't see that in my trajectory of like, it's just going to go do my job and I'm going to let it go just do my job. There's a lot mm -hmm. of human interaction that I still think is necessary and beneficial. Yeah. Like, it's not just that I don't trust the system. It's like, I'm adding a benefit to like re-summarizing it, di distilling it into my human perspective based off my experience to communicate this to mm -hmm. other human beings. Like, I don't think AI can do that right now. Yeah. Um, and I don't want it to, honestly. I think the, the human conversation, the um, the margin for error, by the way, is a positive, I think. That human perspective mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is what makes this approachable, understandable by other humans. At the end of the day, other humans need to digest and use the work that I create, right. not robots, not, not robots, computers. Yeah. So like, if it's just a computer spitting it out, I think that disconnect mm -hmm, is mm. Uh, the, the potential is higher. Yeah. So I want to limit that. Yeah, I feel like I was thinking about this the other day and you know, like you said, we're we're feeding it, we're training it and if you kind of you know, draw that correlation between like a human child and an AI child, like growing up, uh, a human is going to be raised on soft skills essentially, right? Like the first thing they start to experience is love or fear or these different things where their brain is starting to grow and take shape because of those human very emotional interactions and you see that you know with with kids that maybe are unfortunately don't grow up in a, in a very healthy situation and that is going to negatively affect them later on um, versus those that maybe grow up in a more nurturing environment and it's interesting because with ai we're raising it with the hard skills we're feeding it this information that's just very black and white mm -hmm. it's just all this data and so what I think it's going to grow into is going to be completely different than what humans are. And maybe that will change when we'll find these weird, interesting, creative ways to feed AI models in a, in a different way with maybe more of the soft skills, which in some ways I almost think could be better because they might be more emotionally intelligent. Um, but I think for that reason, we're also, again, we are feeding it. And so this argument of if you use AI, you're always going to be ahead of people who don't. Okay, but at the same time, the things that we're feeding it are the things that we as humans are doing and creating and saying. Mm -hmm. 
So you're always going to need that to then feed the models. So I almost think that there's just room for both. People who never touch the thing are in some ways going to be as valuable as the experts who use AI because they are just separate from it. Mm. And they are doing this more organic thing, again, being raised with more of the soft skill core versus this hard skill. I think there's like this harmonious combo. So it's not like everybody needs to to use it and you're going to be left behind if you don't. So I think it's everything you're saying, it's just so technical. And I think people don't realize how technical the applications of AI, AI are because they see mid-journey and they hear about writer strikes and they see all this stuff happening out in the world, which are real things that are affecting real people. I mean, I know I have friends who are filmmakers and illustrators and photographers and they're like, shit, I'm, I'm going to be put out of a job. And in some ways they are getting passed over for things. I don't think that's going to last very long. And I think there's going to be sort of a spectrum of people who, you know, use it as like a hybrid thing. I, I'm kind of one of those people. I'm like you, I use it as like a sparring partner. Um, I see chat GPT as like my C3PO and like, I just mm-hmm. kind of throw things at it and then I take it and I do my own thing but I'm never trying to let it do the work for me. So yeah, I'm curious, Adrian, how have you bumped up against it in your career or even just personally, like looking at things online? Yeah, this is really nice to talk to you all. You you guys seem to be a little bit more optimistic than myself. (laughs) Um, I go really pessimistic with it Mm -hmm. um, because I just, I feel like it's ramping up a little faster than than we're all giving it credit. And I'm not really too worried about like the industry. like, it, it's just like, it, I mean, the one thing that I know that chat GT, I always have a hard time saying that. I'm tongue-tied. It's really hard for me. <laughs> so I'm going to say chat, chat 3.5 or chat 4, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, it can't really, um, from the get-go, can't tell your voice, can't give you, yeah. like, who you are as a company, as a, as a person and whatnot. You have to feed that. Like, we've all been talking about that, and then they can mm-hmm. learn from that. But there's still that, that, that initial, uh, that, the inception of like, mm-hmm. this is who I am. This is who we are as a company. This yeah. is what, what I want to put out there. And now help me summarize that. So like, there's always going to be that inception point. Um, what creeps me out though, because again, my pessimistic side, and since it's moving so fast, okay, yeah. great. Um, maybe in six months, all I have to say is like, you know what? And I could just be yeah. some, you know, CEO dude, like this is what my, this is kind of like who I am. I want to be empathetic. I want to like really strive for uh, customer delight, you know, write me a story on how I can do that. Mm-hmm. Give me an about page. Yeah. And then it completely takes away. Which is kind of already happening. It is hundred percent. And like, and you, yeah. and you can do that and then you can take mm-hmm. back and kind of rewrite it and put it in your own voice because you always want to lead with your own voice. Yeah. Um, but it's going to get to a point where you're not going to have to do that. Like it's going to literally just do it for you. And I was having these conversations with with some of my buddies and um, this was just this last weekend is like, man, you know, and this is where I go really pessimistic. It's like, I really love this conversation because I go down the, I go down the deep dark end. Um, uh, So, you know, we we have these like white collar jobs and whatnot. Like uh, we're already using it at our, at our place. Like, Product management. It's like, hey, here's this this issue that I have. Um, this is the goal that I want. How do I get there? 
what do I do? How yeah. do I do the research in order to get to that? Like, boom, yeah. spits out something. Cool. So there, and then I was talking with a, a, one of my project manager uh, friends, and it's like, yeah, so I think, you know, AI is really going to go after, you know, white color. It's not really going to touch blue collar mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, yeah. we already have like, you know, automated trucks and cars and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why wouldn't it? Like, why wouldn't I have just a, a, a fleet of automated, you know, garbage trucks that just right. go out and pick stuff up and like have all the stuff and sensors and then we remove those jobs. And it's like, boom, mm-hmm. you don't have to pay like insurance or anything like that for like, or yeah. you know, yeah. and so it's like, why not? Like, why not build towards that? Because it's cheaper in the long end, you yeah. know? So that's where like my mind just starts racing. Totally. And too, I know yeah. that we're not that close to it, um, but it's just like with chat GDP four, um, I was like, I was reading, I was listening to the, I forget, Max Tegmark, Tegmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. It, it's it's fascinating, like, you know, like, and then it was also, he had one with Sam Altman, is like, what what is consciousness? And like, right. and like, can we give that? And it goes into the whole AGI aspect. I don't know. Uh-huh. Again, yeah. like, I'm I'm swimming in this. Right. And I'm trying not to go down that route. Um, I'm trying to look at the benefit of it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, just you know, arms distance, like, yeah, yeah. you know, this is this nice Ca- cautious. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the one thing that, uh, sorry, Delman, go for it. You're going to, I wasn't going to say anything. I was just breathing. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> um, I, I do, I can't put a point on one of the things you said. Not all of that is bad. Um, I'm not knocking garbage truck drivers, but I don't think that in life that was their goal of everything. Oh no, the computer will take my, garbage truck driving route and therefore I don't find value in myself in the world like I think there are lots of skills that are like they should be automated freeing people up to do do, other things yeah yeah and I think there's in my skill too I think there's a wide amount of design system work that shouldn't be done manually anymore. Amen. Mm-hmm. There's not a value. I, yep. Sometimes I do that manual work because yeah. I enjoy it. And I sometimes I'm actually just a little bit faster than computers doing it yeah. and to be able to make decisions. Um, but in general, like I do see it eating away part of my job, which is great because that actually empowers me to do some of the other things I did not actually have time for. Yeah. And gives me like, imagine starting the race halfway through the race. Right. Yeah. With that advantage, it's like, whoa, how much more can I do here? And I think that's mm-hmm. great. And I, but I get the fear too of like, if you've done a job for a good long time and that job has it wildly evolved, maybe slightly evolved, and then there's this big spike in evolution, that's off, that's off putting, right? That is mm-hmm. your whole foundation is kind of crumbling. Like, yeah. that's terrifying because you've associated your job with, your value and your livelihood and all these things that I find to be some of them unhealthy that we've associated. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that AI will empower more people than it displaces. And to be like, oh, I no longer have to do this awful thing that I hated doing. And now I can be freed up to do this other thing that I really do enjoy doing that is quite the human part of it. And then keep going there. Um, But the fear is is real. You're hundred no. percent right. It's too super real. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, it's, it's, yeah, that's well put because like, um, uh, in that other video that I was watching, it's like, well, they were talking about cancer, you know, and it's like, well, it's not solvable. It's like, well, 
no, it is like based on physics and, you know, chemistry and right. whatnot. It, it, it is solvable. We just don't have the time or maybe we don't have, you know, the, the technology right now. Yeah. Give that up to AI, yeah. let them go do that. And then we can take <laughs> care like in the best way we can. Or we have this like third party mm-hmm. kind of working on these amazing uh, cures to diseases that we see currently right now as yeah. unsolvable, uncurable. Um and so that's like a radical thing uh, to what Delman was saying is like, okay, I don't want to like spend my time an input. Really? I need to like mm-hmm. four pixel radius. Okay. I, I need yeah, to hover. Yeah, I need yeah. to active. I need a focus state really just like, no, just design that. And I want to see how mm-hmm. that actually is going to fix and within a form. How is that going to function? Yeah. I want to get that down. Like I can focus on that and make sure, but yeah. these like more uh, like menial tasks, medium, menial, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, having AI take care of that to get me started. And again, starting the race halfway through, yeah. heck yeah. Like, let's go. Totally. Like I'm already there running. Like I, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm on the ground. Like, and, and so that makes sense. And I, and I like that. It's just the way my mind works is I cannot yeah. let go of like that fear. Yeah. And just being very con- conscious of that. Fear. I think that's healthy though. It's health. It's healthy. I mean, fear, there's, there's a, a purpose for that emotion. Yeah. And I think the purpose is to make sure that we're not blindly going into things like this and, and embracing things without like, I'm not afraid at all. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's just not maybe a wise thing. But w- one other point that I wanted to make too, and I think it, it really lines up with where we're going with this conversation. Um, Rick Rubin was on Tim Ferriss and there's, there was this quote that he had when he talked about, kind of AI, but I think more just about like using technology for creating art. And he's the perfect person to make a case for this. And he says, uh, computers do the work, but we do the noticing. And that's very much like hmm. who he is. If you've seen his interviews or read his his book, um, he, he basically says like, I, I don't have any skills. Like I don't play instruments. I don't really understand how to do a lot technically, but what he has... Uh, in spades is taste. And when he hears something, he goes, yep, that's it. That's right. And we've seen that through the why, not just the quality of work that he's produced, but the wide variety. I mean, everything from like Slayer to Beastie Boys. And so that quote stuck with me. And it, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, if you're a DJ mm-hmm. and you go to a record store and you're kind of flipping through records and you hear something you're like, that's it. Okay. But then there's this other thing. And I'm going to pair these together and make something new. And so with AI, whether it is more technical and it's figuring out the radius on you know a button <laughs> and rounding out those corners, it's going to spit out more options than you need, but you're going to do the noticing. I think what it comes down to for me is I just don't trust humans. <laughs> it's just like straight up. They, 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 they can typically ruin a lot of good things. Like, you know, the whole phrase, like, we can't have good things. This is why we can't have good things. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, like that's that's where my pessimism. I can't tell you how many times I use that phrase. <laughs> just in this household. This, this is why we don't buy nice stuff anymore. This is why we eat off the of paper plates. <laughs> Sounds like you may have a small child. In yeah. Uh, yeah, I have an AI that runs around, uh, yeah, causing damage, learning everything, the wrong things from me, never the right things. Only it's a, a small things. language model. <laughs> Basically, ah, uh, yes, he has his own language model. Uh, it's a lot of no, it's a lot of give me and no, I think. Soft skills, never a summarize. <laughs> well, one, one thing I, I kind of wanted to bring up, 
And uh, I, I wrote some notes. I was kind of digging into some research, something that I haven't really done on Monsters of Design in the past, but I've been listening to a lot of Lex Friedman, who you were bringing yep. up uh, some of his episodes when he talks about AI. If you don't know who that is, um, really brilliant dude who uh, was at MIT. I think he's still at MIT and he's he's working there, but he has a podcast as well and he does it periodically and he has really big name guests, um, really fascinating conversations. He's also a very gentle soul and has a very open mind. Mm-hmm. So he has his own sort of view on the world, on technology, but when you listen to him, he's just, he embraces other perspectives. So he's really cool. And it kind of made me want to dig in. If you, if you watch, he always says papers spread out all over his desk yeah. and he does his research. And so that inspired me a little bit, you know, with this topic. And I kind of dug into it since we're doing this three-parter. And this episode is uh, AI New Hope inspired by Star Wars. So you'll see what the other ones are after that. Um, <laughs> dad humor. I have it in spades. Um, so kind of thinking about it that way, and John, you and I talked about this a little bit about it. Maybe it's not so new, and that might help ground us a little bit and and move mm-hmm. away from the yeah. hype, which is the thing that can cause humans to uh, not handle things with care. And so I wanted to give a little brief on that, and I, I wrote this down. Um, and funny enough, I used ChatGPT to do some research and then cross-checked it. So... <laughs> Maybe it's a good way of, of doing it because in that way, it's basically just like, like you said, it's better Google, which I'm sure Google is going to have their stuff Or it's soon. biased. Yeah, or it's biased. anything bad about but, AI. But like Google, <laughs> exactly. but Google is biased too. You know, like any any search. It you're just flagged find, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Curious AI is awesome. Mm, AI, keep an eye AI on is you. awesome. Yeah. Well, this is, this is what came up when I was kind of digging into the history. It said the concept of artificial, this is crazy though, because this is the robot talking. The artificial, or the concept of artificial intelligence dates back to ancient times with early myths and legends featuring automations and artificial beings. So that, I thought that was really interesting. Um, however, the modern era of AI began in the mid 20th century. So it, it digs into that a little bit. The first true AI system known as the logic theorist uh, was developed by Alan Newell and Herbert A. Simon in 1955. So I thought that was that was oh, interesting. interesting. Like they were already thinking about automation in maybe a, a, a hyperactive way in the 50s. Um, it said this program was capable of pro- proving mathematical theorems uh, marked the early stages of AI research. Following that, 1956, John McCarthy organized the Dartmouth Workshop, which is often considered the birth of AI as a field. Um, so literally one year later, this became an actual field of expertise. Um, that's where they basically proposed the term artificial intelligence. So 1956, that term essentially entered into our vocabulary. So, you know, I think while this is feels new in some ways, it's good to remind ourselves that it's actually like 70-something years old, which is very interesting. So yeah. it's been on the move since then. And like you said, John, it's kind of a sticker that people have been slapping on things to sell their products. And I think that's going to phase out just like the hype of NFT, you know, and, and other things like that. But it will be interesting to see how it phases out because it's definitely different than NFT and a lot more effective than things like that. So I'm, I'm curious with that in mind, you know, is this actually different than NFT? And and what are maybe some of the things that, even if you're feeling a little bit pessimistic, um, 
and John, I think you're maybe feeling more optimistic. What are the things you think we can really all agree on that this is something we should embrace? And if we do embrace it in this way, it's going to lead to positive outcomes in terms of how we use AI. I think what makes me optimistic is, that is actually the same thing that makes Adrian pessimistic is <laughs> it's human beings. Like Interesting. this oh, idea okay. that okay. all CEOs okay. are going to be like, I understand AI. I can spit out a website. This and that's yeah. like, yeah. I don't have, I, I've not, I haven't met a lot of people who are <laughs> technologically advanced enough mm -hmm. to yeah. make that, especially in business. Um, we are sometimes designers and developers and people who are sort of, I'll call it the tip of, modern tech right now, or at least consumer slash enterprise tech, we forget that the rest of the world doesn't work that way, mm -hmm, that most mm -hmm. people don't think like we do. They don't, they, like I said, lots of words today that I think my mom would be like, I don't know what half those words mean, right? Yeah. You mentioned Figma, what is Figma? You mentioned yeah. LLMs, what are LLMs? What's SSO? Like all these yeah. things that are constantly, but all of us in this call are like, oh yeah, totally get that. Like yeah. we assume that the CEOs all like Mark Zuckerberg. That's going to be like, mm -hmm. I get what this is. I know how to employ it. I'm going to do it for my own ends. Most CEOs don't think about stuff like that. Yeah. They don't embrace technology to that level. They embrace them like they would embrace any other tool. Mm -hmm. And they see their business like a small business, like any other mm -hmm. owner mm -hmm. of a small business. I got to make sure my team is happy. I got to make sure I have money coming in, mm -hmm. new clients. Yes, they see advantages in certain things, but the CEO that's going to be like, I'm going to use AI to generate my website. It's also the CEO that isn't going to play, pay a web designer anyway, mm -hmm. because they don't think web design is that important. Their website is not high in their priority. Yeah. So they're going to find the path of least resistance, the lowest common denominator and all of those things. And we've all dealt with people like that. clients, companies that are like, mm -hmm. I don't understand why design is important. I don't understand why I got to spend the time on this thing. I'm here to make money, not spend money. Yeah. I've heard all of those things. They're going to use that. And you know what? Good. Let them use it. I wasn't going to work with them anyway. Yeah. Like those people always exist. The people who want the easy, faster, cheaper, I don't care quality. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's appropriation. I don't care if it looks exactly like any other brand thing. They're going to do that anyway. I don't think they're the majority. Mm -hmm. And they've definitely not steered my career as to right. like, oh, no, every, everybody just wants the lowest common denominator in design. I don't think that's true. And at the same point, I don't think the Silicon Valley companies are the majority either, where mm -hmm. they're like, hey, we can fire the entire staff because we understand complexities of open AI. <laughs> it's like, I don't think that's most companies either. Yeah, totally. I think there's a <laughs> nexus in between those of like companies that have money, companies that value design of various levels, we can all debate how much or how little they value value design mm -hmm. or technology, um, and then where they want to play with technology. I think there's a lot of those yeah. and a lot more of those. And I yeah. think this is this interesting cyclical thing. I think AI creates companies that make AI, which creates, like there's this, we, uh, we're exploring an idea to use AI to help us make plugins mm -hmm. for our design system to make automation better. It's this really weird meta thing. Like I, I, I'm working on our ref, our V2 reference site and I'm making a design system for the design system site Interesting. to talk about yeah. the design system. And it's this kind <laughs> totally. of idea of like making the AI to make the automation plugin mm -hmm. to help make things more automated and fluid. Like 
and sometimes actually to work on our Gen AI product. Like there's this weird yeah. arc in there. Yeah. I see a lot more of those scenarios than I do see the yeah. CEO who goes, I can finally fire everybody. <laughs> yeah. And it could just be me on a big mountain of gold like Scrooge McDuck yeah. um, because AI gave me that. I don't think that's, yeah. I don't think there's any real evidence of, you know, an uptick in that. I think yeah. there are bad owners and nefarious owners and then somewhere in between. And I think if you're in the ad agency world, the only question you need to ask yourself is, um, is wait till AI can actually understand what a client wants. Yeah. Um, once it can understand what a client wants, uh, then it should take my job in agency because none of us have ever figure out what clients want. Um, <laughs> and you know what? AI, you can totally have that. You can totally deal with that. I'm totally cool with that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah, take that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. There, there is a, uh, one one more thing from from Lex Friedman I wanted to read, and then maybe we can go into our favorite monsters because I think this has been a really good conversation, and it's I think it's a good it's setting the stage I think for the next two episodes where um, the following one's going to be about just kind of digging into it and prompts. So I work with someone, uh, his name's Marcus, and he's he's like a Renaissance man. He's he's amazing. He's so talented. He's a senior copy designer at our agency, but he's also a musician. He writes, records music. Um, he was actually kind of big in Korea as a backup dancer for like K-pop stars. So he's had this wild past. He That's, plays the keytar. Uh, yeah, he's incredible. He's so epic. he'll be our next guest. And um, that episode will be, again, AI, which the, the overall, our Star Wars is called Art Official. And this one is AI New Hope. The next one's going to be The Prompt Strikes Back. So we'll get into that. And I think that that'll allow us to kind of move from this technical world of design into maybe more of this uh, emotive, artistic realm of AI and the implications there and how we might want to be conscious of prompting things to generate content. So we'll get into that next. But this thing really stood out to me. And it was one of the episodes that Lex Friedman did that I sent you. And at the beginning of his episodes, I feel like I'm totally fanboying right now, but he's awesome. He is um, pretty awesome. He, he, I never even knew of him, to be honest. Yeah, he's like, great. He's big great. on my face. Yeah, I'm such like, a big Whoa. fan. Um, he leads with these like monologues that he'll write, and I, they're really cool because he he you can tell like he's really passionate and thoughtful about all the topics he brings up. So this is something he said. I think it was with uh, Sam Altman. I think mm -hmm. it was that episode. So at the beginning, he says, "I believe it is a critical moment. We stand on the precipice of fundamental societal transformation." where soon nobody knows when, but many, including me, believe it's within our lifetime. The collective intelligence of the human species begins to pale in comparison by many orders of magnitude to the general superintelligence in the AI systems we build and deploy at scale. This is both exciting and terrifying. It is exciting because of the innumerable applications we know and don't yet know that will empower humans to create, to flourish, to escape the widespread poverty and suffering that exists in the world today and to, to succeed in that old all-too-human pursuit of happiness. It is terrifying because of the power that superintelligent AGI wields to destroy human civilization, <laughs> intentionally or unintentionally, uh, the power to suffocate the human spirit in the totalitarian way of George Orwell's 1984 or the pleasure-fueled mass hysteria of Brave New World where as Huxley saw it, people come to love their oppression, to adore the technologies that undo 
their capacity to think. So it's, it's quite thought-provoking. And that's I, I kind of live in that sentiment where it's like one foot in the door, one foot out. And in some ways, maybe that's, it's interesting, I think on a spectrum, not that you're blindly accepting it at all, John, but I think you're seeing so, so many amazing practical ways of using it and you feel very hopeful. Adrian is just, you know, <laughs> negative Nancy over here. Yeah. I, I would I, actually, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't say it's binary though. I think both yeah. scenarios are likely to happen, to be honest. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're exactly. already doing that now. Like, like, do we think honestly that country like North Korea is going to embrace AI in the most generous way to feed their entire population? Or are they going to use it to enhance security and spying and control of their population? Right? Like, we're going to see pockets of good and bad, and there's the, the gray areas are the most interesting to me of like, it can go either way. And I think I'm mostly hopeful because I think people in general are good. I think that overall, most people are good. I think there are awful people and amazing people. And in between the rest of us generally want to be good or at least do no harm. And I think that is why we live in the world we live, right? This chaotic uncertainty, but amazingness at the same time yeah no i love that and this is a kind of it's tangential uh but um so i meditate every day and i go through headspace and at the end of headspace they'll have like a little blurb of like you know this is what this is what we want you to take away i'm gonna butcher it but it's essentially like hey and it was like you know the the whole thing was like you know you've ever been cut off when you're 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 driving it's like well they didn't really do that to you and so like the end quote like at the end of the day was like imagine people just want to do good and sometimes we mess up like it's not it's not really towards you and it's not really uh it's not like targeted or aimed at you it's just maybe they just messed up yeah they want to do good and like the the like most humans want to do good and want to do good by others and so um it's like yeah so it's like it's having that mentality that that or that 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 thought process and like knowing that there may be some bad actors Mm -hmm. um but then in my pessimistic like the bad actors are typically the ones more in power and so that's who like you know i think Mm -hmm. of like these countries that could take this and do other things with it um but for the most part we're going to have these wonderful, amazing individuals building this foundation uh, uh, that we can ha- see I, uh, AI um, just like benefit us yeah. rather than control or be a detriment mm-hmm. to us for their own benefit. It's like, no, no, no. Like, yeah. So that, that's like a, it's mental gymnastics that I'm trying no, to work No, no, no. That's great. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to go. I, for me, it's like I don't want to just be ignorant mm-hmm. to it. You know, and I and and totally. so sometimes what I do is I overstep that. It's like, well, Adrian, chill. Mm-hmm. You know, awesome. You're thinking that way, but mm-hmm. that hasn't happened yet, has it? So stop telling yourself yeah. that yeah, it yeah, could yeah. happen or is going to happen tomorrow. It hasn't happened. Why worry about that? Yeah. Just take care of like what you have in your surroundings, right? And then go forward with that. So anyway, um, no, that's great. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I. Uh, we were thinking about what this monster would look like, and uh, so I haven't even brought it up, but. If you've seen these episodes in the past, uh, Brian Miller was my co-host for a while, and uh, I miss him, but I'm actually super excited to have Adrian here. And so Brian was our co-host, and then Kevin Tudball has done all the art and all the illustration. Um, Both of them have just gotten super busy with a lot of the work they're doing, and so that's why you're here. 
Um, we're also going to start working with uh, a new illustrator, and he and I have been talking about what this monster is going to look like. And so you'll ha you will have seen it at this point, but it's going to be this uh, like Terminator robot looking thing, but dressed like a French painter. So the striped shirt and the <laughs> little beret. So it, we're going to kind of draw that comparison. So you'll see that monster kind of play out um, through the artwork that we have for these episodes. But with that in mind, uh, your favorite monsters. I'm curious to see, especially we're coming out of spooky season. It's like November 3rd. And uh, has there been any monsters that have been hot on your mind over the past month or so? Uh, mine is kind of timely for the for the season. Um, mm -hmm. This time of year, winter time, I always think has the best monsters. There's something cold and dark and yeah, creepy yeah, yeah. and yeah, the woods and all that kind of thing. And so I was thinking about, like, what do we normally do? What did we normally do before the pandemic? Mm -hmm. And this time we would come over to your neck of the woods over in Cambria, and we'd go to Cambria Lights mm -hmm. and mm – -hmm. There's this wonderful celebration of just walking through like what's this like three million lights or something and <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. there's this one little pocket of Cambria lights that I always thought was wildly inappropriate, but I always found it fascinating. Is that there's a Krampus yes yes the Krampus, <laughs> building yeah. or building like so there's a children Krampus walking room. around and there's there's this Krampus. If you're not familiar with the Krampus, Krampus is like. <laughs> The anti-Santa, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. like yep. his job is to take small children, throw them in a bag, mm. <laughs> and yep. has like some like birch stick that he whips them with. Yeah. And I would, I find <laughs> this this monster fascinating because it's a it's a monster that was clearly created by parents. <laughs> like nobody <laughs> creates a monster to punish children around Christmas time unless you've been a parent and then you're like because and you've run out of like the threats right you run out of like Santa's not going to give you a gift mm -hmm. you got to go to bed and then that last step you're like the Krampus is going to come and get you yeah well, just saying <laughs> and like yeah. like that creature is like only a parent would make that right yes I love it yeah it's it's you know if, like I never thought about it that way like the parents created it it's almost like Frankenstein right like who's the real monster is it Krampus? Yeah. <laughs> or the parents who created it? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> exactly. That was going to be mine, too, was Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. like, oh, who, really? Who's the, yeah, who's the actual monster there? The person who created it? Oh, I see. I you, see. Know? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know, or this amalgamation yeah. of body parts and whatnot. Yeah. And it's just like he's he's a product of mm -hmm. someone else's, yeah. like, like, design. And, like, yeah. who's is it Dr. Frankenstein, the actual monster? Mm -hmm. Or is it the monster? And uh, Totally. Yeah. Interesting. I always yeah, thought it was yeah. neither. neither. I always thought it was the townspeople. Ooh, yeah, I always thought it was the so townspeople. So it goes back to the human the, condition and people cannot be trusted. They're the monster <laughs> because they're I like that. unwilling yeah. to accept him. Oh, so I like that they, they're unwilling to love him. So he yeah. creates something in order to have love. Yeah. They're, un, they're unwilling to accept something new, which is his creation, yeah. which is just pure in general. And he obviously, like AI, feeds it with all the wrong things. Yeah. I would always think that the, the townspeople were the monsters in that story because like who takes to pitchforks and torches uh -huh. like like that is you just that. have like a town hall like understand mm -hmm. like there's a lack of understanding of frankenstein that i was it uh, that always struck me as like yeah he's damaged goods right where he's like digging up dead bodies to make a creature <laughs> like yeah there's some massive therapy moments there <laughs> the creature's obviously not 
the no. is clearly the victim, not really the monster. He's the innocent in that mm-hmm. regard. Mm-hmm. The townspeople, I think, are the bigger problem here. I like they create the scenario yeah. that makes that. Yeah. yeah, I love wow. that. That's that's brilliant. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm thanks for to, showing up, everybody. Yeah, I, think of mine. <laughs> I, I feel like it's hard to top that, and I just it just dawned on me. I haven't even put much thought into it. We've been watching a lot of scary movies. Oh, you know what? <laughs> There's a good Futurama episode yeah. where they, they 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 it's like this big buildup, and it's like we've concocted the the biggest monster or the greatest monster of all time. It's at like the end credit, mm-hmm. and like this this capsule opens up, and the smoke comes out, and this guy just walk mm-hmm. out. Turns out it's man. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so it's like humankind is like the biggest monster. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Man, we went to this. Uh, um, I guess I guess this is, there's a collective of monsters for me. And this year was the second time. And I think now it's going to be a yearly tradition. Uh, we go meet up with some friends in Thousand Oaks. And they have this thing called Reign of Terror. And it's like a 45-minute haunted house walk through with like over a hundred rooms and it's just a permanent fixture. It's like in the shopping mall in this big warehouse and it is incredible. So if you're in Southern California, reign of terror, it's not really a specific monster, but they just have everything. And it is the first year I did it. I was like stressed out. Like, I don't know about this, but my wife just like loves horror movies and always pulls me into things like this. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. She's just a lot more brave than I am. But after I did it the first time, I'm like still freaked out, but like so excited to do it. Um, so that that's my favorite monster, monster. Okay. collective of monsters. So I guess it's the, the haunted house monster, the human that oh, is pretending and jumping brave. at you, I, I, creating these artistic rooms and lighting and sounds. And yeah, I cool. love it. I love that kind of stuff. I can't do that. I hate haunted houses. Yeah, I hate that. I love. I grew up around there. I love hate. I I I just hate. It's they're all about the jump scare. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The jump scare is to me that's Mm -hmm. it's the cheap scare. I was just going to say it's cheap. Yeah, it's psychologically scary. It's. Yes it's just no. like you're 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 ready to get punched. I mean, like you're jumping at a human being. Yeah. In any other capacity, you do that yeah. outside of Halloween, and yeah, you're getting uppercutted. Yeah, like, I yeah. like to think that I could actually do that. I wouldn't. I would scream like a girl and run. Yeah, I know. Me actually, too. I like... would. I'll be. I'll, let me rephrase that because I wouldn't even scream like a girl. I would scream like me, and because my, my <laughs> wife is way tougher than me, and she would just be like, she probably uppercut it. Yeah, <laughs> so, we have that in common. I most likely would just faint, or that, or throw my wife. It's like. You. <laughs> Pretty much like, you go get him. Sick him. Yeah. She's so much stronger than me. Like, Janie, go get her. Go get him. I, don't, I can't do this. Love it. Well, In Star Wars, you mentioned like this is yeah, a yeah. Star Wars thing. It made me start to think about uh, Star Wars monsters, too, because mm-hmm. they're a specific yeah, genre totally. of monster. And none of them are ever like, oh, that's terrifying. Oh, they're almost always like, that's odd or that's interesting. And then there's this question mark category. And for me, the question mark category was always the fascinating, like the Sarlacc pit. Like, what a strange, like, 
how much stuff could possibly be falling into that pit mm -hmm. to sustain a creature that large? <laughs> you know, like there isn't that much stuff out there. Yeah. Like, and it's got arms all over the place. And even in, in, in I'm, we're going to discount the redo where it's got a weird little beak going on. That doesn't exist. Um, but like, it's got these arms. It's like, you got to be thinking like, there's nothing out there. Yeah. Like it's a huge creature. Yeah. What is sustaining this creature? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it, it must be digesting. Things. It's just like digest for a thousand years. It's dosing it out. Right. It's just must a be. little bit of energy yeah. at a time. Just, like, you yeah, know, that Boba Fett moment was yeah. really big for it. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to eat for a thousand years. We, we call that uh, Chihuahua face. My wife does it a lot where she's very skeptical and we'll bring it. Cause there's this meme. I'll have to find it, but it's like this chihuahua that's like, like it kind of has this look like, really? Oh, I think I've seen <laughs> that. So ever since yeah. then, that sounds like you have chihuahua face. Uh, that's amazing. That. And I love that scene. <laughs> I love, I grew up watching Jedi. Like it was like that whole scene. I love all of it. I love the costumes. I love the mm -hmm. the, the whole world building and the, yeah. like that part of Tatooine fascinating. But that scene and you're watching it just, and you're like, just get how it. does First, like, how does it get there? And then, <laughs> and then you, I, I remember as a kid watching it and the, the thing explodes, like mm -hmm. Jabba's palace, just right on top yeah, of that poor yeah. thing. And you're like, oh no, it can't close its mouth. So it just gets like a mouthful of mm -hmm. flaming machine. Mm -hmm. That's, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, just, you feel, when you feel bad for something that awful looking, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a plot problem, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> I think that's uh, that's the perfect end. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's an ending. I don't know if it I call it perfect ending. one. <laughs> well, it's our ending. Yes, John, thank you it's so much for uh, filling our brains with so much interesting information and yeah. perspective on AI. And I'm super excited to continue this conversation with uh, Marcus. And then I'm hoping we can get Emily back on. We talked about earlier. She was on the burnout episode and super smart person. Her episode or whoever that person ends up being the third in the, the AI art official trilogy uh, is going to be return of the Jed AI. So there's another dad joke ish kind of humor. Uh, for you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I have to put up with nobody this. said thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You, you said it with your eyes. I said. Uh, is that what my eyes said? I thought they said they said other words. It maybe ended with you. Um, but so, <laughs> I I love this series because AI is super complicated, right? Mm -hmm. And I think starting it with what is AI, what is automation? This uh, this yeah. historical thing that it's something mm -hmm. we've. We haven't realized what it is we've been using, yeah. and we're just slapping a title. The next one is really, I think, where most of the conversation has been happening yeah. around the moral mm -hmm. and the artistic side. And that's a fascinating thing. I am not qualified to have a conversation because it's not what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. I can tell you as someone who is now a client of vendors yeah. at times, like I would still use a human illustrator mm -hmm. over mid-journey or one yeah. of those because it's the happy accidents it's the unexpected right. it's the the screw-ups a little bit that give art and illustration yes. specifically a personality mm -hmm. and a like a, an inside joke kind of vibe yeah. to it too like the cultural resonance of some of the illustrations especially with brand 
matters. And I don't think a computer, because a computer can't dream, yeah. I think it lacks that that weird conjoining of like an idea with reality that's kind of yeah, not yeah. real. And like, it doesn't, it can't do that yet. Yeah. It's kind of like mimicry. It's like faking humanity mm. instead of actually existing in humanity. You know, I, I actually right. contemplated, and I, I tried it just for fun. Um, like, what would it be like if I created these monsters of design with AI for a hot second? Kind of skeptical and like, I don't think I want to do that just ethically, but I was curious. And it just, I was so unhappy with it. And I missed that that illustration vibe that we have. So we are going to stick with a real illustrator. So Jimmy is the person I'm talking about. And what made me so excited is he started showing me some of the art he's been doing. And it's very like, it's almost like he's he moves between this style of like kind of tattoo style art, but then also like the skate punk, Santa Cruz skateboards kind of stuff, creature. Um, and so I was just stoked to work with him. And he showed me this one piece that, Reminds me of kind of what you're talking about. It's that thoughtful, creative way to express something that maybe AI can't quite do. Maybe it can at some point, but I think humans bring that. It was for a friend who has this like pizza business and he kind of like, um, it's not like a, a food truck, but it's that sort of thing where he does like catering and he just loves pizza. He's all about it. So he drew this pizza slice that kind of looks like Cuphead. So that style <laughs> mm-hmm. of, you know, old illustration animation and it's rolling up its sleeve but it's like cheese and it works so perfectly it's like such a creative thoughtful thing and it says you want a pizza me so yeah it was it was brilliant (laughs) super stoked until the end Mm. Um, yeah (laughs) (laughs) you had me at the dad joke you had me at the dad joke and on that yeah i think on that i think Mm. the there you go the Kane is coming out and it's just pulling me. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, John. Uh, I hope Thank we can you have you on again. Me. Yeah, this is this is awesome. And maybe Absolutely when you come up to pleasure. Cambria, we can do all three of us in in the same room. That would be yeah, cool. it's true. And we can scare children with the Krampus mm-hmm. at Cambria Lights. Yep. Yeah. For anybody, I think you just decks. Google it. It's it's yeah. creepy. Yeah. Look it up. It's, it's terrifying. It is. It's horrible. It's a, We'll post and wildly inappropriate to show in front of children. Hundred percent, like literally. <laughs> that's what I love it. Yeah, exactly. That's why we keep going and we love it. That's why it's <laughs> wonderful. Yep. There we go. We ended on Krampus. There we Perfect. go. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, Thank follow you. us on YouTube. Click that sub- subscribe button. I think that's what the, all the podcasters say. I hear them say that. Like, click the subscribe, like, subscribe. comment, like, subscribe, comment. something like that. Bing, bing. The graphics pop up. Yeah. We'll never feed the that. algorithm. Yeah, feed the algorithm. <laughs> So yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back. It's been a minute since we've done one of these. Super excited to have Adrian here uh, in the same room, IRL. I think it's super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to the next one. Peace. (laughs) Bye, y'all.